this podcast, we talk to thought leaders about feminine and masculine energy and how it shows up in our business, our parenting, and especially our relationships. We'll dig deep on any and all topics under the sun. Grab a coffee and buckle up. This is the She's the Owner podcast. Hey, everybody. It is the She's the Owner podcast. I'm your host, Kara McCarran. And this is episode 100. Crazy. I can't believe that. I'm um, super proud. I'm super excited. All the things. So I thought for the 100th episode, I would do a little reintroduction about me and the podcast and kind of why I do what I do. So hopefully that is interesting to you. Um, Some of you, many of you probably already know me, but some of you don't. And I just figured it'd be a good time to celebrate um, kind of where things are at right now. So I guess the best place to start would be why did I get into masculine feminine energy coaching um, for business women? And if I'm, you know, so if I look back in the last few years, so it's probably, I guess, going on two years, it'll be in the summer. Um, In August, I launched this podcast two years ago, almost. So a year and a half, we'll call it. Um, When I originally created the podcast, it was because I had come to realize that I was deeply in my masculine and I didn't know it. And I sort of had some inclination about what it meant and like, you know, but it was sort of one of those things where I would hear a lot of... um, oh, she must wear the pants in the family or, oh, you're bossy or those type of, that type of narrative. So it got me thinking. I was single at the time and I was attracting into my life men that were very feminine energy. And I was pretty confused. I was like, I don't get it. Like I have a successful business, you know, I'm cute and I'm funny And I'm super loving and all those things, but why do I, and I really want to be with somebody who is like an alpha male, mature masculine, not some douchey guy, but you know, and I couldn't figure out like, why am I attracting all these more feminine men who want to be led? And that was really my marriage too. And then I started to realize, oh, it's because I'm in my masculine. That's what's happening. And so I really dug in and I really started to try to understand what exactly that meant and how it was showing up for me and all the things. And originally I had created this um, like idea about, you know, like framing these pictures on my wall that would represent feminine and masculine energy. And I had my daughter who's an artist. I said, can you, you know, just like create these beautiful line art. She does this gorgeous line art. I have a tattoo of hers on my, on my wrist. And I thought, well, you know, it'd be a good way for me to remember to be empathetic and thoughtful, nurturing, patient, vulnerable, use my intuition, um, and be sensual. Those are the seven words that really represent Kara McCarran brand. And she's the owner brand. And so I said to her, can you, I just want to have these frames so I can look at them and just kind of remind myself to get back into the feminine or just when I feel like I'm going too deep into my masculine, it'll be a good reminder. And then I was like, I can't be the only businesswoman that thinks this way. I can't be the only one that is experiencing this. So I thought, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do a podcast and see if there's other women 
who are talking about this, who are feeling like this, who are stuck in this hunter mentality and they don't know how to get out of it and have them come on the show. And that's what I did. And so in August, I launched the podcast and I have, I mean, it's episode 100. I've had many beautiful, beautiful guests. I've had some high profile people on the show as well. Alison Armstrong, who is the, you know, queen of all things masculine and feminine. I've had um, Jarek Robbins come on, Tony's son. I've had uh, Colin Egglesfield come on. I've had Jesse Lee come on, Jesse Lee Ward. Um, so some really high profile, Nikki Sharp, um, beautiful people who really understand the concept of all this. So things started to hum along and it wasn't really until 2020 where I was like, mm, it's time for me to start thinking about coaching. And here's the thing that's really interesting about that. So my background, I come from two parents, one um, migrated here, immigrated here rather from um, my grandparents lived in Kiev or in, in Ukraine but when my grandmother was pregnant with my dad, she had him in Austria um, during the war times. And so they they just continued through and came to Canada. And so he was really small when he came here. And my mom was, nobody really knows the story with my mom. Um, she was adopted. My adopted grandparents were Polish. My mom's got really dark hair and she's, it's, we've been told like she's, part French and some Scottish in there as well, but nobody really knows. Um, but she was brought up in an environment where it was like, you're really lucky you were adopted by us because you'd be fucked if you hadn't been type of parenting. So neither of my parents, you know, my dad was an only child, really spoiled, went into the world. The world didn't deliver what he, what he thought he should get according to his mom, my Baba, and so made a lot of bad choices, started drinking a lot, et cetera. Met my mom. They started drinking a lot together. Next thing you know, they're alcoholics. They're having a family. And so there wasn't a ton of support at home. And there was some, you know, my parents were physically, my dad was physically abusive toward me, not my brother, just me for whatever reason. And then emotionally abusive and mentally abusive, just not a good environment at all for, for a long time. My mom had massive, massive demons that she just could never really get her head around. And so the parenting style was very, um, I mean, it's not unique, sadly, but it was, it was harsh and there wasn't a lot of, um, communication. There wasn't a lot of emotional support or love or any of those things. I don't remember really getting hugged a lot when I was small, all those things. And one of the things that came up often was, um, I would really express that. <clears throat> I think that it's like, I would express that there's this isn't the right way families to behave, you know, with the drinking and the, all the stuff. Cause I knew early on, it wasn't like, I, I had a really strong inclination early on that this shit wasn't right. Like something's not right here, guys, what the fuck is going on? And I was often told to shut up or, so the feeling I got often was like, my voice didn't count. I wasn't worth listening to. And then I had teachers at school constantly telling me if I could just stop socializing, if I could just stop talking, I, you know, I do so much better and I have so much potential, but I just like to socialize. She likes to socialize too much and she really needs to do this, this, and this. And so like forever, I had this message from my family because it was, you know, I would get, my brother even still does it where it's like, oh, she's crazy or because I would call it out. I'd be like, yo, like this shit isn't right. As I got older, my, my 
comments got more and more, um, I don't know, honest, maybe like, like I would just say, it's this not normal behavior. You need help. Like this is not how families should be operating. And, and, uh, like this is not normal. And the older I got, the more that, oh, she's fucking crazy. Oh, here she goes again. And it was such a brutal feeling. Like I was super, super outside of the circle of my family. There's four of us. And it was always me on the outside looking in because I was saying there's more to this. We can't, I can feel myself actually right now as I'm even telling the story, I'm having a physical reaction, which is really interesting. Like I'm feeling kind of nervous as I'm talking about it. So that tells me it's still in my body which is interesting. I want you to just notice that whenever you are in a way talking about something that you think is all good, your body will tell you if it's not. So I got the message that I was crazy for saying what I thought, what I believed. And I was crazy for, for speaking truth. I was, uh, it was not welcomed. I need to shut up. I can't, you know, as long as I say what's real, then people aren't going to love me. And and then you couple that with the teachers at school telling me the same thing, basically, like if I could just shut up, then blah, 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 I'd do better in school. And so what's the reality of that is I got to 45 almost thinking my voice didn't count, thinking that people don't really want to hear what I have to say, thinking that what I have to say is wrong um, and that there's just very little confidence in that area. So I fought it for a long time. You know, I thought, okay, the podcast is safe. It's me interviewing other people and all this stuff. And then I get to 2020 and I'm like, what am I waiting for? Like, what am I waiting for? I am deeply passionate about coaching. I'm absolutely my whole, every cell in my body knows that that's what I'm here to do. Why did I fight it for so long? Because I had this story that my voice didn't count. People didn't really want to hear what I had to say. So it got, it got to just being enough. Like I just had enough. Right. But what, what drives me now, and I've had some very, very, very strong coaching coaches in the past. I'm very blessed to, I've invested a lot of money in my development. Like I, I think I've invested probably close to, well, I think it was around a hundred thousand dollars in the last four years into growth for either my company or myself or a combination of both. And that's no small amount of money but it was absolutely worth it because now I have like the 2019, I wasn't ready to be a coach because I still had this idea that I didn't, I didn't want to be like that. You ask my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's, she's like, why, you know, she's all the time. You should really get into coaching. I was like, no, I don't, I really, I'm not, I don't want to. And I don't even know what excuse I gave her to be honest. I think it was just like, I, Oh, it's, you know, my, my empathness it's can't handle having blah, blah, blah. I just made a bunch of excuses, but really I wanted to do it. I just didn't think that it was, I was someone who could do it because of all the old stories that I had in my mind about not my voice, not counting. So 2020, I said, fuck it. I'm doing it because it's just where my heart finally led me. And I, I logically, because I've done the work and because I've done all the, you know, Tony Robbins stuff and Byron Katie stuff and, um, you know, all the things, Marie Forleo, I'm, I'm doing a, a mastermind right now. 
I've realized like, this is my calling and I absolutely have no choice in it. And I have to do it because I actually do know what I'm saying. And I do know how to coach and I feel alive when I'm doing it. And I feel like God's coming through me when I'm, when I'm coaching somebody, but you know, it took time. It took time for me to wake up. And I did a post like that today on Instagram where I was like, are you awake yet? Like, are you awake to your power? Are you awake to your greatness? And I'm not saying that in like the, cause there's like, so many people say that shit, right? But they're not like, there's no, they, there's no clear path on how to get there. And I know that clear path because I've gone through it now, but, and it's not easy. Like, I will never say that this path was easy. I'll never say, and it's, and it's going to continue to be, have challenges come up, but like, can I imagine doing anything else that I'm doing right now? Absolutely not. And I might not coach one-on-one for the rest of my life, but I'm certainly going to coach in some way, whether that's through just the group coaching or the programs or courses I sell or whatever. But like, I, I just couldn't deny myself any longer, which means I couldn't deny you any longer. And when I think about, you know, my parents and, and, having them condition me to think that I had no voice or that I, that my voice was the things I was saying made me crazy. That was just fear, right? Like they were just fearful that someone was going to find out their secret of alcoholism and their secret of abuse and their secret of all the shit. I get it, but it's also, you know, you gotta, you as parents, I know we're way more um, conscious of how we talk to our kids about them and I think we kind of go overboard on, in some cases, you know, we're, we're setting them up to feel like failures when they get out into the real world and the real world doesn't treat them the way that you have or we have. So, I mean, you want to have uh, be realistic still in how you parent them. But I'm, I'm so awake to the things I say and I don't get it right every time. Absolutely not. But I know when I say you actually can, if you want to do that, you can, you just need to figure out a solution versus there's no way you can do that or there's no way we can afford that or there's no way blah 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 like our house is very much solution oriented like you have an issue challenge a want a need or whatever figure it out it's like my favorite saying in the house figure it out i'll support you and if you need help to figure it out i'm totally here but figure it out try to figure it out and and when i look at my parents you know it's hard to be called out by your kid for sure but if your kid's calling you out, you don't fucking tell them they're crazy. You don't tell them they're, they have a mental illness because they disagree with your lifestyle choices. You know, that's the stuff you, you just can't do that. So when I think about, you know, I did a podcast yesterday or a live yesterday, actually, about what, what would your parents say? My parents would be, I think, would be very apologetic and they would be remorseful and they would would really want me to understand that that was just their fear and their projection and their bag and that it had nothing to do with me and that my voice does, does matter. Um, and that's what I choose to believe because that makes me feel better. Um, I feel sadness for them because I know they didn't live the life they wanted to live by a long shot. But I mean, you know, what can you do? I can't live in the past. I can't go back and change anything. You just have to sort of accept it. But what I can do is break the cycle of that. And I have, you know, um, I have a picture of my grandmother behind me on my shelf. 
And whenever I feel like I don't want to do something or I feel like complaining or whining about something, I just remember like what she went through to get here and what she went through to like make it so that I had a good life and, uh, and I won't squander it. And that's a big thing for me, but you know, so my, and, and even before this business started, I have another company called the content company and, uh, we create content and that's my, that was my sixth business that I'd ever start ever started. And I want you to know something too, like people's, and this is why I'm doing this, this particular episode so that you can understand what it really, what it takes. Um, and my ideal client is like a woman who's, you know, over 35 usually, and who's lived a bunch and really understands, understands this and knows that there's a whole bunch of steps before, but like the, the content company was business number six. All the other five before that did fuck all, like made no money really. One made some money, but nothing really. But I had to go through all that, right? To understand how to do it, how to make six-figure companies. Because if I hadn't gone through those first five, I would have been learning on the content company. But it's there's a, it's a long road. And like the thing that, that I talk about a lot... Um, just in general is cutting a check for speed. Like if I, if I had an opportunity to do a program like mine even, or like any other ones that are out there that are really, really good. Um, like the Marie Forleo one I did, if I could have spent, you know, three or four, $5,000 on learning what took me 20 years to learn, I would have spent it. And not everyone's going to want to teach it, right? Like not everyone wants to do a course like I want to do or, or a group coaching. Not everybody wants to do that. Some people really just want to do, you know, whatever, like pet sitting or some other type of something. So they will like, it's not like they need to go through the 20 years to figure out how to be a good pet sitter. They can kind of check for speed to figure out how to run that business quicker. Um, but for me to be able to have taught and teach people how to do what I do, i.e. coach, I probably did need to go through that 20 years of growth and figuring it out the long way so that I could show other women the short way. But every, you know, when I think about where I came from, I mean, I was a single mom, you know, making like, okay, money working in a job I despised. I, my first real corporate job was selling advertising for association magazines and publications in Winnipeg, um, Nealer publications, which is where I met my husband or when I met my husband. Um, and I was so green and I sold my ass off and I still didn't really make a whole lot of money, but like, I really, you know, and I think about that. I had a, a, I rented a car. I didn't even lease a car. I couldn't even get an, a credit or anything to lease a car. I rented a car and it was like a Puget or Pujade or something like an old French. It was a really cute car. I really liked it. But like, when I think about, you know, I had this weird like apartment. I mean, I was in housing at one point with my daughter. I was sleeping with my head on her crib mattress so she could sleep on the crib mattress with my body on the floor because we didn't have furniture yet. Like, it's just crazy. It's wild to me. Now I have a BMW, a Mercedes. I have an incredibly beautiful, you know, bedroom and office. And, um, you know, I want more things, but my space is gorgeous. You know, I live in Toronto or outside of Toronto now. Like when I think about, think about it, I really have to sit and go, holy shit. 
And why did all that happen? Because I opened up to the possibility of it happening. I knew inside that it was possible. I didn't, I didn't let any other narrative really, I mean, I did for a while, but once I cut, it's sort of like, it was like a domino effect. Once I started to really open up to what was possible, I was like, oh my God, I like this. Like really, I think my very first, I read my first Tony Robbins book when I was 23. Not, it didn't really click fully at 23, but it p- started to put some seeds in there where I was like, oh, I have a choice in how I work my life. Okay, that's interesting. I thought it was just how it is and that's it. No? Okay. And then <clears throat> later on, I um, and I started my first business not long after that. So along the way, like I did consume stuff here and there, but like things really, really took off for me when I watched The Secret, truthfully, in 2006. That was really when I was like, oh, I get it. Like, oh, this is pretty fucking cool. And the rest is history. And that was 14 years ago. So in the last 14 years, this that's when the real massive growth has happened. Um, but now I feel like I'm on this like fast track. It's really neat. I was just talking about it today. It's like, I feel like the marketing is clicking better. I feel like my message is clicking better. I feel like everything is in really perfect alignment. And now you know, clients are coming to me without very much effort, like all those things are happening. But I had to wake up to the possibility. And coming from where I came from, it was, I had to really trudge through it to figure out, and P.S., it took 20 years to figure out, yeah, my voice does matter and it does count. And I'm here to change people's lives to make them happier so so they can learn to make themselves happier. But um, what a trip and it's just beginning. Like, and I always, you know, if you wake up every day feeling like, oh, you're just getting started, it's fun. Like there's some energy behind that. If you're like, oh my God, I can't wait. Like when I think about people who are just counting the days to retirement, when they don't want to be doing that, like if you're counting your days to retirement, there's a problem. Like really think about that. If you're just counting off the days until you retire, what a fucking way to live, man. There's a million other ways to make money that will fulfill you way more. But if that's if that's your thing to just sit here and be like, okay, you know, 624 days, 623 days, like call me. <laughs> I mean, we got to talk because that's not a way to live. There's no fulfillment there. There's no energy behind that. It's uh, That's miserable. Um, especially the people who have 20 years still to go. Imagine that. 20 years of this shit? Fuck that. No way. Like, and that's the thing. I think all every single day I, I'm in such deep gratitude because like I say to I said to I say to my kids all the time, but I said to Amelia Amelia yesterday, I said, What a life we have. Isn't this crazy? I said your whole life you've had your parents with you. I worked, I worked outside of the house for a number of years, but Ken's always been here. She doesn't know a life where we're not with her whenever we kind of feel like it, especially in the last seven years. It's really been just whenever it's fucking amazing now now i understand the wealth mindset so that's that part's going to change now but before that it was still pretty awesome <laughs> like you know so that's a bit about me i'll tell you one more thing too i am uh i've i know you've you know i have kids so i've amanda who's 33 sydney who's 24 olivia who's almost 20 and amelia who's almost 12 and um they're the coolest kids ever. 
they're the coolest kids ever. They've all been raised sort of in this environment. So their thinking is radically different than a lot of their friends, um, which is good and a little challenging for them too, because they, when their friends start to complain about the silly shit, they're like, yo, you can totally change that. Not everybody wants to hear that, as you know. Um, and then I have a dog, Bianca, and a big fat Norwegian forest cat named Mr. Kitty. And um, he's the best thing ever. And um, yeah, and another episode, I'll tell you a bit more about maybe some more personal stuff, family stuff, um, just so you can learn a bit more about me. Anyway, I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to episode 100. You guys have no idea how how much that means to me. I'm, I'm so, so, so happy that you are along for the ride. I love you all and talk to you soon. Bye.